0: Back with more of Sabres Live, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. As promised, Shayna Goldman from The Athletic has joined us here, her Friday edition. And Shayna, did Buffalo witness last night the favorite for the Stanley Cup, the Florida Panthers? Are they your favorite at this point in time?
2: They are my runner-up.
0: Ooh. OK, like
2: the whole season and I like I'm I'm someone I'm going to stick to my guns. Last year, my runner up for the cup was the Boston Bruins before the season started. And I I held my and everyone thought they were going to be bad. So I held my ground this year. The Panthers felt like the next version of the Boston Bruins because you had the Montour and the Ackblad injuries and how are they going to navigate it? So for me, that's my runner up to um the Dallas Stars, actually. That's that's my pick. And I'm going to stand by it.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to humor me and say the Vancouver Canucks just to like yes. see my reaction and then say, nope, not going to happen. So uh, right
0: now, Vancouver remains atop the overall standings in the driver's seat for the president's trophy. But as of this morning, Florida, number two, four points behind. So what a race it may be.
2: Yeah. yeah and and we we saw right? last
1: night was like, obviously, Anthony stole ours. And we talk goalies often, um, but we usually talk about Impactful number one netminder. I want to ask you after Colorado's performance against Tampa. Uh, you know, we've seen other like is is a backup goaltender now, and I don't want to diminish the job, but <laughs> as important, like Colorado needs to find themselves a backup, right? And then yes. you see that Florida Alex Lyon last year saved their season and Casey De Smith's doing good for Demco in Vancouver, and same with Brosois in Winnipeg for Ellebuck. Like the backup goaltender needs to be a high priority for some
2: teams now, right? Yeah, absolutely. You can't have it that if your goalie is out, you're done, right? Because injuries happen, especially over, I mean, the course of the playoffs, what are you going to do? It helps to have options to shake things up. Like we know for vibes alone, right? Pulling a goaltender is something that teams might do just to wake up, you know, the rest of the bench. And you can't do that if you don't trust them. It's like, you know, the Packers with their kicker this year when they said like, yeah, when he takes a field goal, we just pray that he's going to get it like that cannot be your strategy for a backup goaltender far too important. So, yeah, Colorado's a team you could say they definitely need one because they're they're not as dominant as they could be. Right. And some of its injuries and they haven't had a full lineup and things like that. But. They definitely need a backup, especially because their starter is not that elite tier that you can rely on above all else. But even the teams with that, the the Rangers, the Lightning, the Stars, like you still would say Ottinger needs a strong backup and Wedgwood is that. The Rangers have quick. Vasilevsky could use a little more support behind him too. Like yeah. it, it, you want to have more than one at every position. You would say they're the same for center, defenseman, anything else. This is a goal you plays 60 minutes a night at least. I can't
1: believe you use a out of context quote by Matt LaFleur or apparently <laughs> like it was misquoted. Like, come on. We all knew that kicker was having a tough year. And yeah, they were praying every time they put the ball down.
2: So uh, I think that's funny. That's going to oh. be my new catch reason. People are like, oh, what are you going to get when you get me on a podcast appearance? I want it. To- <laughs> we just pray shouldn't say something bad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, you mentioned the Avalanche there. They just capped a one, four, and one road trip where they gave up 25 goals. So, yeah. They might be in the market for some addition to their crease before the deadline comes to pass. Arizona's lost seven in a row. The Bruins have dropped three in a row and four out of five. We just mentioned the avalanche. The Oilers have uh, been a little more normal here, which is the correction period after the monstrous 16 game winning streak. The Predators seem to have hit a down note. Columbus fired their GM. Where do we go with all of this? Like, what's the big, what's the big angle here for you, Shana? Um, you know, because we are, Getting that much closer to the deadline, and for some teams, they simply can't let it go by without doing something
2: meaningful. Yeah, it's it's an important reality check, and it's it's for different reasons, right? The Bruins, yes. it's not how you fall; it's how you get back up. The same is true for the Oilers. They got back up with fi- you know flying colors, and you could say, have we seen the true Edmonton Oilers this season? We've seen the bad, the horrific, <laughs> and the amazing. They are very good, but we need to see that normalize. And what do they do after a loss now that, you know, the streak is over? And how do they rebound? What do they adjust? And the same is going to be true with the Bruins. For a team like the Predators, though, it's the reality check that they need. And the same with the Flames, right? Last mm-hmm. night, the Flames lose to the Sharks. Yeah. Talk about a heartbreaking loss. And, yep. you know, sure, it's not Markstrom and mm-hmm. that, and you didn't have your best lineup out that means. And we think about Markstrom, what a difference maker he's been because the Flames haven't had that same defensive identity we think of. They've had a lot of missteps in their own end this year. And it's important because it's going to tell you what to do towards the deadline, right? You know, recency bias is what everybody uses. And yes, you need to think about more than that because you have to think big picture. That recency bias might kick a general manager to do the right thing if you're Nashville, if you're Calgary, and then we'll see what happens with St. Louis because that recency bias might push them to do the wrong thing. So it's going to be really interesting what teams learn from these next few weeks because they are so important, but they're just one part of the puzzle, right?
1: New Jersey is two points back of Detroit, six back of Toronto, seven back of Philly for third in the Metro. They got Jack Hughes back. It feels like New Jersey is a different team with Jack Hughes. They look different on the ice, right? Oh, yeah. um, but more importantly, Jack Hughes probably delivered the quote of the year to Victor Arvidson on the penalty bench. When he looked over to him, and he says, Hey, People pay to see me play. Um, is all 80,000 at MetLife uh, paying to see Jack Hughes play on Saturday night? Or is it uh, a mix of Philly and New Jersey? But uh, Jack Hughes definitely worth the price of admission.
2: Yeah, he's worth it. Um, and the part is like the first half of the quote. Once I heard the first like half, that was something like he was intending to injure him. And, you know, like people are here to see him. You can't do that type thing. I loved it even more. Like, I want the drama on the ice. We've had so much drama off the ice this year that... And we've had a ton on the ice, but I want to just see it on the ice keep amping up. And this is what we need, right? You know, you think back of the years. I always think of, like, the you're relevant quote from, like, I think it was Jody Shelley and Mike Ruff. And I'm like, that. that's the trash talk I crave. So if you can get me more of that and Jack Hughes is going to deliver, I'm here for it. But he's right. People pay for him. You know, if you're going to go see the Devils and Jack Hughes isn't in the lineup, it's a completely different team. Yes, there's Nico Heeshear who's one of the more underrated players in the league. And Jesper Bratt's great. But like, let's face it, Jack Hughes is worth the price of admission because he is such a game breaker. And you see the difference of when he's in the lineup and the difference of when they can get a couple of consistent saves, which... They can't get ever. So uh, the last three games are finally get Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink
0: you are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois my instincts are validated by that whole sequence because Marty questioned why I put in Victor Arvidson's return in our news and notes segment <laughs> last night on the pregame show. And I'm like, cause I, said, I love Arvidsson. he's returning. He's going to, he's going yeah. to stir it up. And sure enough, the Kings win with his return and he gets under Hugh's skin. So I love it. I'm with you. I'm here for all of it.
1: And the timing uh, was so let's explain though, the timing we rehearsed the pre, the pregame show and the elements, right. And just as it, we are doing Where the are we, news and What notes. elements
2: are we in? I'm sorry. I need to know that detail. We're in the elements. Are we outdoors for it? No, no.
1: The elements, like the visual oh, elements okay. <laughs> that we're going to see, like we're, you know, the, yeah, different elements, but stadium you know, series
0: weekend, you know? Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh. So
1: the, I see that the three things are GM fires, uh, GM fired in Columbus. It is Couturier, captain of the flyers and Victor Harvardson comes back. And I just got a notification. Connor Bedard is playing tonight. <laughs> I look over and I say, Hey, Bedard's playing tonight. He goes, I don't care. I want Arvidsson in my news and notes. That's my stuff.
2: you got (laughs) to care about both. I mean, Bedard's back, and all of a sudden, it's like, I can watch the Blackhawks again, at least for the 20 minutes he's on the ice. But Arvidsson, when that line is clicking, and it's Arvidsson, Deneau, and Trevor Moore, they are so much fun. That is, like, my kind of Mm two-way, annoying, sandpapery, under-your-skin, but also super-skilled combination. Like, if I had to be a player, that's what I I would want to be that kind of player. Because I know I... Like my, I wouldn't be able to help myself. If, if so I'd be up. Jack, Jack uses it's like under his skin the whole time.
0: Yeah, for and you know, so Buffalo goes into Minnesota tomorrow, and this ties in with Bedard's return, which gives him a lot of racetrack to amass some pretty good numbers still before this year ends. But my argument would be that Brock Faber's actually been the most impactful, consistent rookie this year. He's of course with Minnesota, who the Sabers are going to see tomorrow. But like, give us. Your take on, on Faber, how good he's been as a rookie, but also since you just talked about St. Louis, Nashville, Calgary, like what's the reality check here for Minnesota? And in your eyes, what should they be doing when they get to the deadline?
2: Uh, well, what they should be doing is looking for a new general manager because their general manager Recording
1: in progress.
2: Um, put them in a position to fail, right? You mm-hmm. look at what happened with the extensions they did before the season started, you're going – Marcus Foligno, you extended when he should have been a trade chip. Ryan yep. Hartman, I understand it at least, right? Like they need centers. So I look at that and I go, what options do they have? They have a ton of no movement and no trade clauses. You want to clear cap space if you're Minnesota, but you have guys like Alex Golgowski, you literally can't move. Like what are you to do? Um, but you you look at them and you look at what Brock Faber's doing, and you do want to capitalize on it. Obviously it hurts you don't have Jared Spurgeon this year, but Faber mm-hmm. has – stepped up to the plate in every which way in all situations he's been fantastic Mm -hmm. and he has a great case for the call there what hurts his case is that when bedard first went out of the lineup is when we saw the first like real missteps of favor season and he trended down for a couple games Mm -hmm. and you know it didn't impact him as much on the score sheet it was below the surface and we don't count that for the Calder trophy so it yeah. might be totally fine right but he he's just he's so sturdy and stable and plays the game the right way and in a a proactive shutdown defensive kind of way it's not just one way he's helping on both ends of the ice but for the wild you look at the teams around them and say do you have a chance to capitalize on it and it all depends on Matt Boldy and Kirill Kaprizov, because if they're going and they both are finally starting to, mm-hmm. then the rest of the lineup can take shape around them because they are built to, you know, their plan for success is all built around their star players. And if they're not getting it, they're, they're just going to struggle. And that's what happened earlier this year. That can help them overcome some defensive issues and some goaltending issues. But um, I, don't, I don't know if they can sell. If I'm them, I step back and retool, but I just don't think that they're in a position to do so because of their contracts.
1: What about Pittsburgh? They are most likely going to miss. And now Jay Gensel is out for. Uh, they he's,
0: won last night. Now all of a sudden it looks a lot rosier than it did two days they're ago. They're
1: going to miss. And uh, there's too many other teams. But anyway, that's that's my news and notes that I'm putting in right now, Duffer. They're going to miss. <laughs> but Jay Gensel is out four weeks and he's probably the best player available at the trade deadline. Now, I know there's other players that are good, but I think Jay Gensel is probably that. That top-end player. Yeah. Um, does that change what Pittsburgh does or what other teams are going to do because Gensel
2: is out for four weeks? If I'm Pittsburgh, unless I have a thousand percent certainty, I'm not extending Jake Gensel. I do not move him. And I know he's the player. And in most cases, right? We talk about the Flames. If you can move Jacob Markstrom, do it tomorrow. That is going to get you yeah. the return you need to thread the needle and turn this around quicker. But if you're Pittsburgh, who are you replacing Jake Gensel with? Nobody. He's not someone that just helps you this year. He helps you in the next few years, too. He's an excellent, excellent player, and he's an excellent player without Crosby, too. It's not all the Crosby effect, although that obviously helps. So if I'm Pittsburgh, I'm exploring every avenue to see if they can extend him. And if not, you have to move him at this point, right, if they fall out of the race. But if you're Pittsburgh, you're also looking at Philly the entire time, right? If Philly sells, what happens to their playoff positioning? They're down to one goaltender, yep. and I do like Sam Harrison, but... You know, you look at that, that situation, you look at their defense, Risk the line hurt when yeah. ideally if I'm the flyers, I take his turnaround and say, look at what we did with him. Let's flip him at the deadline. And then we don't have to move a Sean Walker type because that heavy style is going to cost something at the deadline. Right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm Pittsburgh, I keep looking at, philly and go well if you have to move sealer and you have to move lawton and you have to move walker how do you stay in this playoff position at this point and is this something we can capitalize on especially if somehow detroit slips out of that wild card seed too there could be up to two spots available for metro teams to take advantage of
0: yeah for sure lastly uh real quick any anything uh from your end on the sabers and, and what you've you know been thinking now about their reality as they get close to the deadline
2: i think the uh Uko injury might decide everything right there because he's been their MVP over the last stretch. But he I mean, should be she... okay.
0: The latest is he should be uh fine for tomorrow. He practiced oh, practiced okay. today, but again, I think it raises just a concern in general, right? Like, I mean, he's obviously going to be working through something here. So yeah, we'll, we'll Do see. You how just that...
2: rest him. But the standout yeah. for me is the lineup tweaks. Um I really like that Peyton Krebs got put in a more offensive position. I feel like that's something we haven't seen enough for him since he's come to the Sabres. He has those playmaking skills and he has offensive ability, but on that fourth line, he's not going to show it. So if you put him with Benson, who's playing really well right now, and Paterka, who's yeah. arguably the Sabres' most consistent player this year, I like it. Even though like that line with Cousins did have good underlying numbers, just A, I think they were shooting three, the on ice shooting percentage was like three. So yeah. you expect the bounces to change at some point. But I think this is—I think this is ideal for them. And if you can get that top line going, obviously that's for the best. Because Ocposo, their the underlying numbers were pretty poor. Me, I wonder if this maximizes the, you know the lineup a little bit. But I feel like that circle line is a little bit more of a line two than a line three.
1: See, the three percent shooting percentage doesn't even factor in the post that Cousins hit yesterday because that's not a shot on <laughs> net, so it doesn't count against your shooting percentage. So it probably is more like two and a half percent than three. Oh, so yeah, it was tough.
0: It yeah. was tough indeed, Shayna. Thank you. Enjoy the weekend. Will be you be uh, uh glued to the uh the stadium series outdoors.
2: <laughs> yeah, of course. The NHL promoted it so much. I can't get enough of these outdoor games.
0: I'm just thrilled that they're you not
2: know,
1: that
0: note, no, <laughs> but, but 12 years after they were at their peak, they're going to finally have Gaslight Anthem performing. So I'm excited about that. So, all right. See you Jonah's next week. Brothers.
2: Jonah's brothers. That too. Yeah, they're excited go.
0: about it. So should we be Shana? Thank you. Thanks for having me. We're back after this on Sabres Live.